1: up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Friday, March the 15th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, easily the most loaded Friday show in our podcast's history, perhaps of any of the 400-something shows we've done together here. We're going to talk about Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill getting flamed by his former teammates, recapping the week that was in Dolphins free agency, debunking the myth of the tank, And is Kyler Murray the Dolphins' actual target at quarterback? And we've got even more on top of that. But first, before any of it, real quickly, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give me a follow on Twitter. At Wingful NFL, follow the show at Locked On Fins. Check out lockedondolphins.com. We have about twenty-five new pieces this week alone up there on the website. So get your fix that way. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I am so so excited for the show today. Let's get going. Another Miami Dolphins. There were really multiple topics that I could have let off the show today, but we'll start with the quarterback news. And specifically, the quarterback that's not coming to Miami. Teddy Bridgewater finally decides on his future, taking a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints that will pay him a fully guaranteed contract of $7.25 million with incentives to climb up to $12 million this season. Now, why would Teddy do this? And why would the Dolphins do this? Teddy first... Because he wanted starter money from the Dolphins. He wanted guaranteed money into year two that made it difficult for the Dolphins to move on from Bridgewater and gave him a little bit of assurance against Miami season bottoming out in 2019 and therefore drafting the replacement for Bridgewater in 2020 early in next year's draft, which we assume whether they trade up, whether they stand pat, if they're in the 2020 draft class without a quarterback, they'll likely pick in the top 10 or even top 5, maybe even first overall. Instead, he returns to New Orleans where it's being heavily speculated that this is Drew Brees' last year and Sean Payton wants Bridgewater as his heir apparent. And the Saints will likely pick in the bottom of the first round in 2020, so Bridgewater's staying power as a starter long term was much more attractive in New Orleans. From Miami's side of things, they were not willing to budge on their price point, and good for them for doing that. After years of overspending, whether it was under Mike Tannenbaum or Jeff Ireland before him, the Dolphins are done, and we can expand on this here in the second segment, they are done spending the big-time money on that type of thing. The money Miami was offering came up way short of Bridgewater's asking price, which, according to Armando Salguero, was $16 million fully guaranteed. Man, I like Teddy's game and the potential, albeit very low odds, of him taking a big leap to franchise quarterback, but get the fuck out of here with that number, man. So no Teddy, it's still Rudolph and Falk for now. And the reason it's still those two guys became slightly more clear On Thursday, if you guys want to see why Ryan Tannehill isn't coming back from an on-field lens, check out the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com where I explore him lacking the cerebral skills. It also serves as a bit of an ode and a farewell to the only stabilizing force this franchise has had at quarterback this entire century. But the big news of the day was a trio of pot shots from former teammates of Tannehill. Now, I've told you on previous podcasts that Tannehill is a bit of a lone wolf in the locker room. I've experienced that firsthand myself, but a tweet by the Miami Herald's Adam Beasley sparked some anger out of former Dolphin Olivier Vernon, and apparently Vernon in his own right is a very quiet guy as well. The tweet from Beasley was a perplexed questioning of why the Dolphins were hanging on to Robert Quinn, which I can answer that real quick. CK Parrott on Twitter, Chris Coffin, you guys know who he is. He talked about the possibility of keeping Quinn and paying the $1.1 million salary, which it sounds like they're going to do, in order to make him more attractive as a trade a trade chip rather come draft day at the end of April. So that makes total sense. Eat the $1.1 million and then spin him around for a mid-round draft pick somewhere. And also the decision to retain Ryan Tannehill from Adam Beasley that temporarily at least makes some sense. And this was not satisfying to Olivier Vernon, who shot back a tweet telling Beasley not to disparage Robert Quinn's name because he, quote, is proven in the league opposed to Tannehill, who, quote, leads the league in free passes, end quote. Other former Dolphins and teammates of Tannehill jumped in as well. Mike Wallace and Sean Smith corroborated Vernon's comments in that tweet. And that, you see, is why Tannehill cannot remain in Miami. We've heard before that he's a very, very private guy. He keeps to himself and clearly does not forge many relationships with his teammates in the locker room, outside of the facility, and on the football field. And on top of that, envy is a very real thing in football and in life. And Tannehill was made very, very wealthy for let's call it slightly above average to mediocre play throughout his career for seven years he had the admiration of the coaching staff of the front office Mike Tannenbaum Adam Gase while the defensive players were kind of afterthoughts especially Olivier Vernon who was not thought highly enough of to be brought back to Miami for a second contract after his rookie contract had expired so what happens at quarterback now The Raiders cut A.J. McCarron on Thursday. Is he the answer for the bridge? I highly doubt that. He does not fit the mold of the quarterbacks the Dolphins have looked at. A guy that kind of does, even though he admitted himself once upon a time, he cannot naturally throw a football and has been ran out of Jacksonville for good reason, is Blake freaking Bortles. I mean, maybe. I can see the reasoning. I can see that he would be the only guy that you would have starting experience on this roster if they want to go that direction but next on the podcast i'm going to tell you why it's feasible that the dolphins are concealing a plan to go get kyler murray next on the locked on dolphins podcast at Wingfield nfl at locked on fins if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look
0: no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast
1: I've got to say that this week has legitimately been the most fun that I've had covering this Dolphins football team, and we're breaking records every day on the website and killing the download numbers on the show, so thank you to all of you that have contributed to that. I appreciate it so, so much, but let's go ahead and get here into the main event, and this idea that I have theorized... Actually, before we talk about Kyler Murray, let's go ahead and debunk the tanking myth because there are a pair of articles published today up on lockedondolphins.com that dispel some of the rumors or the ideas of the tank and create interesting theories as a replacement. So check those out if you have not done so already. The first is a commentary on why this team is not tanking, and all you have to do really is go back to Stephen Ross's press conference on Black Monday where he fired Adam Gase and fired Mike Tannenbaum and promoted Chris Greer. And yeah, the allure of a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes taking the Chiefs to new heights or Baker Mayfield rescuing a franchise that has been a laughingstock for decades now at this point is very much attractive, and Tua Tonga-Vailoa presents you that idea. But you go back to Ross's comments, and it's not that hard to figure out. The first quote, we want a sustainable winner. Even if it takes some time, we're going to look to rebuild this thing the right way. And then he goes on to say another comment to really hammer down his own definition of that R word, of the word rebuild. And he says, quote, today we are no further than when I bought the team. We've had a good young roster and attacked the remaining issues with some older free agents and a few draft picks. But to continue to operate under that practice would be the definition of insanity. We've done the same things over and over since I've been here. And it lands us in that 6-10, and 10-6 ten, ten and range. That's not good enough. It's time for the organization to take a different approach, end quote. Now, the term that should stand out there to you is few draft picks. You go back to the draft last year when there was a report that has been confirmed by multiple outlets that Steven Ross was upset that the Dolphins wanted to stay at pick number 11 and select Minka Fitzpatrick. He rather instead wanted to trade down and acquire more draft picks like the New England Patriots always do because he has an admiration for what their franchise does and who doesn't. And that also is obvious based upon the migration he has brought down from Foxborough to Miami this offseason with the coaching staff and the players and the front office people, so many patriots bodies now in the building kind of corroborates that idea for steven ross. and over the last 3 or 4 days, the dolphins have acquired three more draft picks for jawan james, a third round pick, cam wake, a fifth round pick, and brandon bolden currently, although this could change, brings back a seventh round draft pick. so more draft picks is what he wants. they want to stop spending on free agents, which they've done that too. Four contracts, all of them basically one-year deals, even though Dwayne Allen got two years, but none of the contracts guarantee money into year number two, and the most they're paying anybody outside of incentives is $1.9 million to Dwayne Allen, who is the best of the bunch, obviously. So they're committed to this plan. Free agents, low-key free agents without spending big. Don't repair the holes temporarily on the roster. Go out and make concerted efforts to make the team better on the bottom end of the roster in free agency. Load up on draft picks, add more bodies that way, and give yourselves more bite of the apple when it comes to draft day. Now, this assembled staff of really highly thought of executives across the league guys with championship pedigrees and trophies in their trophy cases i mean it's pretty obvious to see what the thinking is he put together a melding of minds whether it's reggie mckenzie marvin allen coming together with with chris greer rather steven ross just wants to change the way he's done things because as he said himself they cannot keep doing things the same way at age 78 Ross does not want to be the equivalent of the NFL's blockbuster and the guy who said no to Netflix, and inability to adapt to the changing times. So again, it's not tanking, it's rebuilding and just reconfiguring the way things have been done because in the past, incompetent organizational structures have led the Dolphins to this point to where they're so low on the NFL's totem pole. And in those two parts of that plan, taking it easy with frugality on free agency and going after the draft aggressively, there's a final step to that plan, and that might be to go out and get Kyler Murray. And here's why they absolutely, absolutely should at least pick up the phone. Now, we heard on Thursday afternoon from Gil Brandt, longtime NFL reporter and executive in the league, that the Dolphins stayed back in Norman, Oklahoma, did not go to the pro day at Clemson, but rather kept their coaches and staffs back in Norman, Oklahoma to privately work out quarterback Kyler Murray. So the interest obviously is there. That is step number one. And step number two from the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com titled, Theorizing Miami's concealed plan to go get Kyler Murray, and this is instituted by yours truly, is the team bu- the team building philosophy to go out and draft your quarterback early and take advantage of his rookie quarterback contract and attack the rest of the roster in year number two and beyond with the savings that you spend on that quarterback because a rookie quarterback only makes four to five million dollars per year early on, and then. That's a, what, 400% reduction on the going rate for franchise quarterbacks in today's NFL at $25 million per year. So that is why the idea of trading draft picks and maybe sacrificing some of your capital early on pays off down the road because you can then get more aggressive later on and attack those needs with the draft and money and free agency later on. With guys that really fit more with your plan, rather than going after a Danell LRB or Philip Wheeler, you can go out and sign an Sue or an Andrew Whitworth like the Rams did. And the Rams are a great example of that, because they are a team that gave up oodles and oodles of draft picks to go out and get Jared Goff, but then they come back with the savings on Jared Goff's contract and cleverly navigate the draft board, they cleverly navigate their financial status. And in one offseason, once things kind of start coming back on Jared Goff and he shows you that he is the guy, they go out and get Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks, Akeeb Talib, Marcus Peters, Andrew Whitworth, and Sue all in one off season. Those six guys alone bring you 16 Pro Bowls and eight first-team all-pro votes among them. And after Actually, that was not one offseason. It was back-to-back offseasons, but the point remains the exact same. Now, as far as trading draft picks and getting rid of all of your capital that way, yes, it is a risky proposition. Just ask Washington how it turned out with the infamous Robert Griffin, the third trade, which cost them three first-round draft picks and a second round draft pick in 2020 or 2012, 2013, and 2014 alike. And one of the reasons they were pretty much held at the good graces of the St. Louis Rams at the time was because the 2013 draft class beyond that was miserable with EJ Manuel and Geno Smith as the top guys. And then beyond Griffin in that same draft class was our very own Ryan Tannehill as the third ranked quarterback on the board that year. So they really had no leverage. The Dolphins do have leverage because they can say, no, thank you, we'll pass. And they're doing that right now with Teddy Bridgewater and other free agents coming in, which also we should report that the Dolphins did have interest in cornerback Pierre Desir of the Indianapolis Colts. Now he does return back to Indy on a three-year contract for twenty-four million dollars, but the Dolphins were in on that. So you tell me how much they want to lose games immediately in twenty eighteen. But coming back to the idea that they can say no on contracts, like they did with Bridgewater, like they did with this year, they're going to show you that ability to say no and stick to their guns because they have this leverage of the twenty twenty draft class that features Tua Vailoa, Jake Fromm, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, maybe even Trevor Lawrence in 2021, so if Steve Kime wants to be... Steve Kime the general manager of the Cardinals. If he wants to be a stickler, they can hang up and say, no, no thanks, we're good. So just be patient, but also be aggressive in your pursuit. If you want something, pick up the phone. Long-distance phone calls are free. I even listed the Arizona Cardinals' phone number to their facility in Tempe on the article, so if the Dolphins need the number, it's up there for them if Steve Kime is not on the speed dial. And as far as the dates of these trades go... I don't know if it would happen on draft day, but it can happen prior to that because it has three times. Back in 2016, the Eagle, or the Rams rather came up to get Jared Goff on April 14th. That was 12 days before the draft that year. The Eagles just six days later came up to get Carson Wentz with the second pick. That was eight days prior to the draft. And then last year, the Jets go up to the third position on March the 17th, 40 days away from the draft to get Sam Darnold. So that's the idea. That's the thinking. The final caveat here is that maybe the Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury as a prerequisite to drafting this potential transcendent signal caller. And if that's the case, okay, fine. Then you have to pass on it, but at least pick up the phone and make the call because as long as Josh Rosen's on the roster, the Dolphins remain in the game. Okay, next on the podcast here, we're going to recap the week that was for the Dolphins in free agency and also talk about the Jets plan as far as going after Le'Veon Bell and loading up that roster around him and if it's a good idea or not, and also the alternative to Kyler Murray if the Cardinals do say no and draft him themselves. We'll get to all that next. Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins.
0: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy.
1: So what if the Cardinals do say, no thanks, we're good, We're taking Kyler Murray for ourselves and we're going to be the ones that experience all the fun stuff that comes with the electrifying player, with the new transcendent player in the NFL. What if they say that? And we know that Steven Ross wants more draft picks, so I think the option from that point is to go ahead and deal down. But again, the big obstacle when it comes to trading down is that you have to find a draft partner. And so many folks are pointing to the idea that Dwayne Haskins, because the Giants might be tanking in their own right, and actually tanking because I don't think Dave has any idea of what he's doing they could pass on Dwayne Haskins the Jaguars are not going after a quarterback what if the Raiders are committed to Derek Carr what if the Bengals are good to go with Andy Dalton then Dwayne Haskins makes it to 13 do they take him do they trade down I don't know what they would do personally I'm really on the fence about it I'd probably trade down but I do like Dwayne Haskins game I just don't think he's the best of the bunch when it comes to next year's class or this year's class which I get it Talking about maybe waiting for the next year's draft class isn't always the best practice. If the quarterback is there, maybe you just take him. But I think that he, Haskins, is not the transcendent guy that you forfeit the ability to get more draft picks for. So if he's there and teams want to come up and get him, let's be all for that. Because I don't know if there's really anybody in the first round that would want to do it. Because we talked about the Giants they are now at pick 17. Maybe it's one of those teams that has an aging quarterback like the Steelers or the Chargers. The Steelers at 28, the Chargers at 20, or the Steelers at 20, rather, and the Chargers at 28. Or maybe it's the Raiders who passed on the first go-around and have two first-round picks at the end of the first round They want to come back up and give Derek Carr some competition. I'm not sure, but those are some of your options to look at Dwayne Haskins to pick up another first-round pick maybe this year, maybe a first-round pick next year. Whatever the case may be, the Dolphins could up. Stock- pile if Dwayne Haskins falls to them and it's an option they're definitely going to have to explore if he makes it to them at pick number 13. And I've got one more topic I want to explore on this Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is March the 15th. We have a couple more weeks of shows before I go to my wedding in Hawaii, which will be a bunch of pre-recorded shows that we have already planned out for you guys, talking about the draft as well as a podcast, talking with offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach from the College of William & Mary, Brennan Marion. He's a former Dolphin as well, so that was a great conversation. It's already loaded up in the queue, ready to go. Let's get back into this topic and talk about this idea of being the team that goes crazy in terms of building around your second-year quarterback and really getting in on the action because so many teams have done it before this year. We know about the Bears. We know about the Eagles and the Rams. There are endless options looking at it that way. But this year, it seems to be an AFC East thing because the Jets are the next to try it, and the Buffalo Bills are too, for that matter. But I have a theory that you go all in or you stay conservative. There's three things you have to have to be aggressive and going all in. Those three things to me are number one, the head coach. Is your head coach the guy? Because if he's not, he'll find a way to ruin that talent. He won't be able to manage all those personalities and you'll wind up flopping and busting in the end. And that's why, frankly... I'm just not that concerned about the Jets because they hired the wrong guy. We've seen it firsthand for ourselves. If Adam Gaze gets the job done there, I'd be very surprised. Number two, the quarterback. Now, that might be Darnold. It might not be. We do not know yet. But over in Buffalo, are we sure that it's Josh Allen? I'm not so sure. And number three is a requisite level of talent on the roster already and... Neither of those teams are that good on the roster. The Bills have a pretty good defense. The Jets' defense is okay. It has some parts, but they had some big holes as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how the next couple of years in the AFC East develops because I think that all three of these teams, the Dolphins included, and they'll be later than everybody else, which maybe is a good thing because when they're ready to make that big jump, Perhaps Tom Brady two, three years down the line and Bill Belichick have retired and as the Jets and Bills are flaming out from their failed approaches, the AFC East opens wide up and there's one team left standing, the Miami Dolphins. So, that's the idea. We'll see if Miami does it. Again, check out those articles up on LockedOnDolphins.com talking about the tank, talking about the idea of going after Kyler Murray. We have Ryan Tannehill's farewell. We have tape on Teddy Bridgewater and Tyrod Taylor and what the Dolphins staff was thinking with those two ideas. We have comments on the players the Dolphins have cut this week. We have free agent breakdowns of Eric Rowe, Dwayne Allen, even Tank Carradine from a while ago. So much content on LockedOnDolphins Dolphins.com. So much content on the podcast. But as for today's show, that is going to be my time. As always, if you guys have a smart speaker or Bluetooth capability in your car, just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast and pull the podcast up right away. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog. Over at LockedOnDolphins.com, you guys have a fantastic weekend. I'm sure we'll have tons of content from the weekend to get to on Sunday night slash Monday morning for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.